This is Calgary Today with Angela Cocott on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Still so many questions surrounding Alzheimer's, but there may be some answers as to who is more susceptible to the disease. New research finding women are more likely to develop Alzheimer's, especially during a particular period of their lives. Dr. Judy Paz, the study's co-author, assistant professor of neurology, neuroscience and biomedical engineering at the University of Southern California. She joins us today. Hello, Dr. Pa. Hello. Am I right in saying that we still have so many questions and not enough answers when it comes to Alzheimer's? Absolutely. There are so many questions around Alzheimer's disease because it's a very much a multifactorial process. There are brain events that happen. There are lifestyle events that happen that can modify one's risk for Alzheimer's disease, which has made it so difficult to understand. To understand, and that's why your research is so important, because uh, first of all, you were looking at a large group of North Americans and Europeans, I believe. Tell me a little bit about the research and what you found. Yeah, so we had a recent study come out, one of the largest studies involving Alzheimer's disease worldwide. And so this study involved approximately 58,000 people throughout um, the world who have Alzheimer's disease or who were at risk for Alzheimer's disease. And really the take-home message of this large worldwide collaborative effort was that with genetic risk for Alzheimer's disease, and we're talking about... Genetic risk thought is just a risk factor. It's not um, a uh, what we call an autosomal dominant form, which means that one would get it necessarily. It simply means that an, an, any older adult, whether or not male or female, would have increased risk for developing Alzheimer's disease. What we found, which was unique in this study, is that women seem to be at increased risk, unfortunately, for Alzheimer's disease if they connect, if they carry one copy of this gene and at a very specific time in their life. So about 10 to 15 years after menopause starts. 10 to 15 years after menopause starts, it shows that women were getting Alzheimer's. Is that what you're saying? Yes, so these women um, in this period of life between 65 and 75, and this is, uh, you know, this is um, an averaged time span of that, that decade, and these women who carry one genetic copy of this specific uh, risk factor had greater risk for developing Alzheimer's disease compared to men who also had one copy of the gene. And, and again, I know I said there's so many questions, but do we know why they develop Alzheimer's at this particular period in their lives? Yeah, we, we're still investigating that. So we don't know the exact causes. Um, we have several leads and different areas that are being very thoroughly investigated. And one of those is tied to menopause and estrogen. We know that after women start to um, go through menopause, which can last several years, that their estrogen levels start to um, deplete. And as a result, the estrogen is not available in the brain, which is critical for energy in the brain. And so we think that that might be one of the risk factors. There could be other risk factors that also happen in that um, age period. Things that happen when adults get older, they might start to have different lifestyle changes. Um, They may be retiring. They may start to care for um, their loved ones. And so all of these can be compounding effects that can increase one's risk for Alzheimer's disease that we think might be more specific 
specific to women than men. Hmm. You know what? I, I bet you if I asked my listeners, uh, if I just said, who do you think gets Alzheimer's more, men or women? I have a feeling people would still think men. But overall, what kind of numbers are we looking at or percentages when we look at those who have Alzheimer's? More men, more women? Yeah, so if we actually look at the prevalence, which means at a a given snapshot in time, what is the ratio or the number of men versus women that have Alzheimer's disease? In the U.S., it's two to one, two women to one man. So we women are disproportionately affected, um, and I, I think this is even these these this contrast or this ratio is even more dramatic in Canada, where women are at increased risk, and we really need to understand why, because we may be able to develop therapies or treatments that can be targeted specifically to why women are at greater risk. And so it's very important to continue this research and to even encourage more women to participate. And I wonder also, we well, maybe it's been changing over the years, but women tend to live longer than men. Does that also skew the numbers that there just ends up being more women with Alzheimer's than men? Yes, it, it is certainly a factor. So we do know that longevity or aging is the absolutely the most um, impactful risk factor for Alzheimer's disease. As one ages, whether or not male or female, their risk of Alzheimer's disease increases. However, when we look really carefully at the data, it, it doesn't fully explain it. It's, it doesn't fully capture why mm. women would be at so much increased risk. Because men, as they age, are at increased risk, oftentimes a little bit earlier, for heart disease. And for those men who are able to overcome that or certain types of cancer, they may be a little bit healthier than the women who are of their same age. Um, However, we think there are specific genetic, um, environmental, lifestyle risk factors that put women at distinctly greater risk. Judy, I started off by saying all the questions, but uh, another question, and is there an answer? Are, are we, we, first of all, there's no cure, but are we closer in understanding maybe how to even prevent Alzheimer's? We are. Um, we, there's so much work being done, not only on trying to find a cure or treatment for those who are currently afflicted by the disease, but also... Um, people who might just be at risk or even starting to show really early signs or some sort of symptomology to suggest that they may get Alzheimer's disease in the future um, tied to prevention, whether or not it's primary prevention or secondary prevention for those who have risk factors. We know really what's good for the heart is good for the brain. And um, we hear this a lot from our general practitioners, from our cardiologists, from all different types of uh, doctors that we go to see. But really, all of the things that, that help our heart truly help our brain. Things like staying mentally active, being um, cognitively engaged in our lives, not just retiring and then um, spending a lot of time sitting around or watching TV, but staying cognitively active, challenging our minds, trying something new that we didn't do before. When I see patients, oftentimes we hear about how they've always wanted to learn to play the piano or the guitar or um, take ballroom dancing. All these things should be done later in life to keep our minds active, to keep our hearts active, and to really keep us healthy into a nice old um, age. Judy, thanks so much for this. Appreciate the information on your research. Oh, and thank you for having me. Dr. Judy Pa, she's the study's co-author, assistant professor of neurology, neuroscience, and biomedical engineering at the University of Southern California.
And always great reminders how to keep your mind active. It's 623. We've got clouds in the forecast tonight, a low of 10 degrees. Tomorrow, a sun cloud mix, a high of 25. And then great for the long weekend, sunshine every day. 30 on Saturday, 27 on Sunday, 25 on Monday. Right now in Calgary, it is 24 degrees. Yesterday, can't remember exactly what time it was. I thought I was trying to defend the first lady, Melania Trump, because she had faced a huge social media backlash when she and President Trump were going to view some of the devastation from Hurricane Harvey. And she was photographed wearing her stilettos and she was wearing an aviation glasses and a a bomber jacket. And so she faced a lot of criticism on social media. And I just said, oh, the, the woman can't catch a break. And, and I really didn't care what she was wearing on her feet. That's all pretty much I said. Unfortunately, I still got lots of angry emails and texts saying, Ange, I can't believe it. She, she had sneakers. You didn't tell the whole story. Okay, so whatever. So she had sneakers. But I'm glad to hear Trevor Noah earlier this week kind of had a similar take on the whole Melania thing. Uh, but people weren't talking about the nuclear missile that Kim Jong-un uh, tested uh, because Melania Trump apparently did something much worse. Yeah, you see... She went to Houston wearing high heels. <laughs> oh, and she's getting a lot of flack for it. Uh, online predominantly, but uh, it counts. And here's my thing. I don't know why anyone should care what anyone wears when they're on their way to help people. Like people are like, why is she wearing those heels when she's gonna help people? I, like, who cares? Look at the Pope. You see how he dresses? Look at that. <laughs> All white with giant blue. He looks like he's going to a Pete Diddy party. Like. <laughs> But we don't say, hey, he can't go out helping people dress like that. And I know some people are like, Trevor, it's not about that. It's about sensitivity. You don't wear things like that to a disaster zone. And I understand that. But in Melania's defense, she lives in a permanent disaster zone. And that's what she always wears. That's what she always wears. Trevor Noah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Try to cut her some slack. Trevor Noah from The Daily Show. And uh, just one more Hurricane Harvey story, and this one gives me the creeps because, and this often happens when you hear of floods, whether it be in the U.S. or in India, which, by the way, is also dealing with some very devastating floods, and the death toll is, I think, in the thousands, not in the tens or twenties, but what is the weird phenomenon are these floating fire ant rafts. And you see just massive piles of ants. And there are these fire ants that are aggressive, territorial, venomous. And the, the real crazy thing is whenever there are uh, these floods, they just form these huge rafts of ants and they float until they find dry land. And it's because of the uniqueness of these very aggressive ants. Their bodies, uh, they're called hydrophobic. They partially repel water. And so when water comes in contact with a fire ant, it beads up into droplets. So it creates almost these little air bubbles. And when they all get together, they trap the air bubbles and they become these massive, living, moving fire ant rafts, like flotillas. You see some video of it. It's just awful. And you, you can't sink these things. They say the ant flotilla is hard to sink. If you push down on a fire ant raft, surface tension pushes the water away and you've got all these angry ants crawling up anything that is trying to sink them. 
The one thing, though, is dish soap. Apparently, if you spray soapy water on an ant raft, it's going to break it apart and it'll begin sinking almost instantaneously because they can't grab onto each other. It's too slippery. However, the downside is, first of all, dish soap can affect helpful organisms. And um, also, if you spray it, you've got to be in a position where they can't get close enough to you to grab onto whatever it is you're using. So you don't want to get too close. But when you've seen the video of these fire ant rafts, it gives you the creeps. That's our show for tonight. We've got news and sports talk with Jock coming up at 6.30. I'm Angela Cocod. Have yourself a great night. I'll talk to you tomorrow at 3, and we're live on location at the Shaw Charity Classic. Looking forward to that. Calgary Today with Angela Cocott. Weekdays at 3 on News Talk 770 Calgary.